Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And good evening and welcome to Game Face. We do this in the evening on the Believe Talent Network. I am Richard the Razor Ewing. I have my host, Mike Deshue Schumann. And if you're listening right now, I hope you got your Game Face on. That's all we allow here. We don't allow nothing. If you ain't got your game, then get out of here. Don't even, don't even try to show up right now. Let's get this started. Mike, what you got? Well, we, of course, love to cover the Bay Area here in sports and a lot of things going on. And we got a special guest here today and a former 49er Super Bowl champion, Dennis Brown, DB. And uh, I'm just going to read his stats. DB, thanks for joining us. And, uh, and by the way, he, he's the Brown Bomber. That's what I call him. Okay. Because that's, that's what he did when he played for San Francisco. He was amazing. Okay? That's right. He's from LA, went to high school, Long Beach, not Long Beach Poly, but Jordan. Played at Washington. The Niners picked him in the second round in 1990. Played for seven years with them. And uh, look at some of these uh, career highlights. USA Today, high school All American. Huskies oh. football defense alignment of the year. He went to Washington, 86 87. Wait, wait a minute. He played defense? 88, 89. He didn't tell me that. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Outland Trophy, candidate, 87, 88. Finalist, 88, 89. This is the one I like. Playboy All-American. Okay, well, wait, go ooh, wait, 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 ooh, wait, 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 wait. All the fellas love that one. We're not going to go there. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> AP, second team All-American, rookie of the year with the Niners, and, of course, Super Bowl champion. And 24 and a half sacks. But this is the one I like, Dennis. Two interceptions. Now you got to tell me how you got those playing defensive ends. Okay, well, now, well, now, wait, now wait, wait a minute. Now this is the thing, and and when you play defensive end, and you get an INT, that, that's like winning the Super Bowl, right there. You you okay? Look, the defensive end. Look, and not you had two of them. Well, well. So so here's the deal. So I, I played defensive line, and yes, get an interception uh, is is a pretty big deal. Um, I had two interceptions in my career. But here's the kicker, with zero returns. That means I had no returns on those interceptions. I mean, not even a yard. I had zero returns. So that means I caught the ball and either fell down uh, or uh, someone tackled me immediately. But, you know, it, it, it was great. I mean, it, my, my career with the 49ers was – it was short, uh, but I had a fantastic time. I mean, it, it, it was planned for, for the San Francisco 49ers, Eddie DeBarlo being, you know, the, the, the team owner at that time. It was amazing. And I tell people all the time, I played with some of the greatest players to play uh, NFL football. I mean, I, I, I just go down the line. You know, the 49ers, Mount Rushmore, shoe, you know, it's unbelievable. I played with Joe. I played with Jerry. Okay. So we got a snap. Brian Haley, Brian Young, Dana Stuff. 
I mean, it, the, the list just goes on and on and on. So I, I was really lucky that I was able to, I think, be involved with the best organization in the National Football League. Uh, and it's been great to watch them kind of reinvent themselves and recreate themselves. So, and I'm still really involved uh, with the team in the alumni in the, in the alumni department with Guy McIntyre and Keena Turner, two other great ones that played. Uh, so I get to to still be involved with this with this organization, and I still think it's top notch. Just just the attitude, uh, the way they do things, the culture of it has just been fantastic. So I, I've been really lucky in my my NFL career. Well, this is the thing, Dennis, um, and I want I want the listeners to know um, you and I have a storied past because I had the the privilege of interviewing you uh, on a couple of occasions. As a matter of fact, uh, beginning in this 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 business, if you will, uh, sports talk, I, I gave my first interview with you in a public library. Do, do you want me to tell that story? <laughs> hey man, it's, you're it's here. Fascinating, shoot, shoot, you would love this. Uh, so, so, so I meet Richard on the train, right? Uh, Cal train, and you know he's you know he he knows his football. He recognizes me. I'm here on my bike, and he tells me about kind of what he wants to do. And I love folks who, who just kind of have a passion and kind of go for it. And, and I was, I said, I'm going to help the brother out, all right? What do you need me to do? And I'm thinking, you know, he had a studio to go to. You know, he had all the lights and the cameras. <laughs> My man said, meet me at the library. <laughs> the library? I was like, oh, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> we, we go, first of all, it took a couple times. Because the first time we went, shoot, check this out. The man's recorder didn't work, all right? <laughs> My man had a tape recorder. He was recording, and we were at the San Mateo Library, main <laughs> library, and, the, and he forgot to charge the dang thing. <laughs> so we had to reschedule. Now, me, I'm going, okay, I'm going to help the brother out. I'm still right. going to help him out. So <laughs> then we meet in the Redwood City. And, you know, he didn't reserve a room. We were out, in the, we were out and with all the kids yelling and screaming. <laughs> and we, found ourselves, we found ourselves a little room, uh, and then we did the interview. But – you know, it, it, it was it was cool, kind of like I said. It was just kind of cool meeting a dude that kind of had the passion. You know, I don't know what he was doing other than the radio thing, but um, he was passionate about it, and he, he kind of knew his stuff. And I was it was really cool to kind of, you know, watch him, you know. And then the next time we, we spoke, my man had a studio. It was in the basement of uh, – it was – what was it on? 7th Street? Yeah, downtown. Tenderloin or something like that. Right, right. right. In the basement. But it was a studio. And and my man was doing it. So it's been kind of cool. And, you know, when Richard came to me and said, hey, we got something going, and he threw your name out there, I was like, most definitely. I got to stay involved with this because you never know where it's going to go. That's right. It's cool to see see the growth. That's right. Right. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the topic of the day. Patrick Mahomes just signed the largest contract in the history of professional sports. Not the NFL. 10 years, $450 million, worth up to 503 And, you know, that's, that's almost $50 million a year. And you've seen this, uh, Dennis, happen throughout your career when you give one guy a quarterback, and the Rams are a great example. Went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They gave Jared Goff and Aaron Donald like 30% of the cap money, and they haven't been half the team since. What's your thoughts on, first of all, the contract, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he's a great player. And number two, is it getting out of control, getting a quarterback that much money? And Jimmy G's making 25 to 27. So Yeah. yeah. As a player, I mean, you know, I, 
you can't you can't be mad at him. No, you know, you know, Shu, and you know, I mean, the window is so is so small, and you got to right. make this money. And uh, you know, the owners are making a boatload of money. You know, advertising all the merchandise, the stadiums, these new stadiums. So I'm not mad at him. Actually, I'm kind of jealous. But that's that's big yeah. money. But it but it but <laughs> well, it's well, it's it's wait, Dennis, wait it's Dennis, your bar. point. Dennis, your point. They have pretty much figured out that when Joe Lacob bought the Golden State Warriors. He bought them for four hundred fifty million. So basically, if if Mahomes would got this contract, say five years ago, he could actually afford the Golden State Warriors back in that time right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's I mean it's it's money that you know it, it's hard to kind of wrap your mind around it because it's so much money. Mm-hmm. But you know, then you have to think. I mean, this kid is incredible. I mean, if, if you watch him play. I mean, he plays at a different level. And, and, oh, yeah. His athleticism is amazing. He can make all the throws he can throw off the back foot. He's got a rocket for an arm. He took this team to the Super Bowl. He didn't show up until basically the fourth quarter, won the football game. So, I mean, I'm sure Kansas City and Andy Reid, they'd love it to having him in there. They've locked him in. They've shown him, hey, we like you a lot. We're giving you a lot of money. And now, you know, you just, you know, going forward, you know, with this COVID stuff, and you know you got a player now making that money, and the owners aren't going to be making. I'm sure they're going to figure out a way to make that money, but you got to pay other people too. That's what happens. I mean, that's the problem. You have to start paying other people too, and you have all your money locked into that one cat. And this season, you may not make that money, and who knows who's coming up as a free agency, you know, right. next year or even this year that you got to pay. So, but I mean, if you got a quarterback like 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 him, I mean. I think you have to kind of bite the bullet as an owner or management and say, we got to pay this kid. And now well, it just sets the bar. Then everyone's just going to be like, hey, this is the bar now. Okay. Well, King, uh, go, go is, is George Kittle, for instance. Yeah. You, know, you pay one guy, you're paying Jimmy G 27. I don't know if we can pay George that money. So yeah. that's what happens is you can't surround them with great players when they're taking such a high percentage of the cap. Right, right. Right. Do you think it'll get signed uh, to a big deal or no? Well, I think I think as the 49ers go, they kind of have to. I mean, he is the number one, you know, he's the number one targeted offense. You know, you got the injuries now in the offseason. I mean, he's got to be the guy. And he's been the guy. I mean, he makes that, that offense go. Uh, and he is so explosive once he gets the ball. So I think, yeah, you have to figure out a way to pay him. But, it, again, I mean, is his worth going to be as high in this COVID you know, this COVID time. I mean, if there's no fans, if if the owners aren't making that money, I mean, does your, right. does your market value go down as a player because of, you know, the situation we're in right now? I mean, that's what I'm interested to see. And I, I still, I think these owners are going to figure out how to make money. I, I, I don't know if they're willing to share it, but I think they're going to be creative and make up that money that they're not going to make with, if there's going to be no fans in the stands. But I just wonder as a player, does your value go down because the because the owners aren't bringing in as much money? But you got to sign a John a, a George Kittle. I think you have to sign him. You have to sign him for an ex, for a long time, and you got to make him say, "Listen, we like you, we love you. You want we want you to be a 49er. You want you to retire a 49er." So, but you know how you do that? You got to back up that Brinks truck. You got to back it up. You know, because we are paid on performance. That's it. Because right. if you don't pay him, guess what? Somebody will. Someone will figure out a way to pay him. Okay, and that, what you just touched on is an excellent segue because I was going to ask you, now, we got the situation with 
you know, DJ Ford being injured because you had brought that up about, you know, the injuries of the receivers. Um, we had Richie James Jr. break his hand. And, you know, one of the biggest questions that's been floated around is that should the Niners go after Antonio Brown? Now, I've been kind of against it in the beginning. But once Richie, Richie James Jr. broke his hand, I thought, okay, well, you know what? That this might not be such a bad idea because they're going to need somebody else that they can go to. You know, the draft pick they pick up, he's, he's learning. He, he's not as experienced. And then you look at, you know, Brown's work ethic. I mean, it's synonymous with profession in the NFL. You know, and we know that he's a player. He can play. He's put up great numbers throughout his career. Now, obviously, there's the vinegar, okay, you know, that puts the bad taste in your mouth. And that's been his history in the NFL. The fact that he couldn't make it work in Oakland and the fact that he couldn't go well with New England. But with that said and done, him signing with San Francisco would be a better fit or maybe somebody like Seattle. What do you think? Well, I, I don't – first of all, I, I don't think – if you look at this receiving crew that the 49ers have, it's a talented room. You know, Brandon coming in as a rookie, he's going to be put in a great situation to learn. Debo, we don't know what's going to happen, what's going to happen with him. Trent Taylor could be back. He's an explosive flanker guy. You know the synergy he has with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jalen Hurd might be back. He's a guy that played fantastic in the preseason. And don't forget about Travis Benjamin. I mean, he's a guy that they brought over, and he can be that dynamic receiver. And Dante Pettis. So I think they have, I think they have the receiving crew that they want. I mean, they're going to miss those guys if they, if they don't get a chance to play. It's a pretty talented room, though. But I, and then you think about Antonio. I, does he fit the culture that they're looking for? And, again, if you sign an Antonio Brown, is he going to be suspended as soon as he gets reinstated in the NFL? So there's a lot that goes with it. And I don't know if John Lynch – and Cal Shanahan, the culture that they've created, I don't know if they want to bring it in. I mean, they could. He's a great receiver, you know, never say never. But I don't know if he kind of fits in kind of what they're looking for as far as the culture of the football team. Well, what do you think with Dante Pettis? I mean, we've both seen it. Your, your rookie year, you're playing on pure instinct, right. right? So you don't know any better. Then you start to figure out the game, and you're thinking a little more, which might have been his sophomore jinx. But is he a guy that, uh, you know, is in Kyle's doghouse? You know, is he a kind of guy that's, you know, because most guys, as you know, they've been the top dog every level they've played at. You know, junior college, juniors, high school, college, and now the pros, everybody's as good as or better than you. Right. Is he the kind of guy, is he a head case? Can he come out of this? I saw something the other day, somebody said he'll be the leading receiver this year because he's so pissed off about the way he's been treated. What, what's the deal on Dante? I, I, think, I think Dante's – he's a guy he's, – he's, he's a thinker guy. You know, he, he, he thinks things through, and maybe he may, little, he may overthink some stuff. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but he's a, if you watch him play, I, I mean, he's got such quickness. He has, he has what Kyle Shanahan loves. He has that ability from any position – you know, if he's outside or if he's inside, to get that separation because he's got right. so much quickness. Right. I think once he focuses on that, my position is I, they want to get me the ball. I want to be a guy that they get the ball in space and make things happen. He's got fantastic hands. He's got quickness. I think he, right now he's just kind of overthinking things a little bit. I think I think this could be the year for Dante. Well, it's going to have to be the year for Dante. Yeah, it will. Yeah, and so I, I think I think once he stops thinking about it too much, 
Right. I mean, he's seen the way Debo – Debo just plays. He just plays like a dog. He just runs right. around. I think once he kind of takes himself out of it and kind of understands that, you know, it's just football and I know what my role is. Get separation, get the ball, make things happen. Right. Now, let me ask you because Mike will tell you there's been scuttlebutt going around that this might be the biggest year for uh, my guy who I call the born identity, Kendrick Bourne. Okay, and the reason why I ask this is because um, they said that lately he's been doing a lot of intensive workouts. They also stated that he's been he's been working on his ability to finish after the catch. That was something that was kind of sketchy last season. wasn't bad, you know. He had a couple of drops, but not nothing intensive where you had to hold up a flag. Okay, wait a minute, we got to stop for this guy. But still, it's something he's been working on is finishing after the catch. So. Do you kind of see him being a big part of Kyle Shanahan's offense more so than he did last year? Oh, yeah, because he <laughs> he's the guy now, right? Yeah, right. I would he, think he, so, but. He, he's he's going to have to be a big part. And, you know, I think he came on, like you said, he had a couple drops. Um, and then he was making some clutch catches. And he's a guy, he's got good hands. Uh, he's a guy that he has to take that next step. And I think training camp, if there is a training camp, you know, how he comes out of training camp, how he works is going to determine kind of how this season goes for him. But I think going into camp, I mean, he's the number one receiver other than George Kittle. So, you know, a lot of pressure. That's what football is about. NFL is about. It's about the pressure and how you react to the pressure. Right. So he has an opportunity to be a superstar. I mean, he's got to see this as a big time opportunity for him to shine. You know, and, and we were always told, and Shu, you know this, you're not auditioning just for the team. Your audition for everybody who's out there and exactly. all the other teams that get you on tape. So he has a great opportunity because he will be the guy. He won't be a guy coming on, on sidelines on third down or something like situations. He's a guy that's going to be in there, has an opportunity to do something. All right, let's talk about your position. They drafted a young man, uh, I think it was South Carolina, Mr. Ken Law, is it? Yeah. He's and he looks like a beast. I mean, he, he looks like he just creates chaos. Yeah. That's what you want inside. Just grab two guys. It's, you know, what's your thoughts on him? Well, you know, when, I, when I watch him play, and, 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 of course, losing DeForest Buckner is huge. That's okay? a huge void. Yeah, but if you if you look at Kinlaw, he is a guy – I mean, you, you might have done better. I mean, he's a young kid, but this, this is a kid that – he plays inside. That's what he does. Yeah, he doesn't have a double team. I mean, he'll, he'll, he knows how to push the pocket. He'll take on a double team. And like you said, he's a beast. I mean, this guy is what, 6'5", six, 6'10", six, 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 300. I mean, he just looks like muscle. <laughs> he's just a big dude. So I think you might have kind of got a little bit of an upgrade. You know, and, and again, rookies are rookies until you get in and actually start doing something. But right. On paper, man, I think I think the 49ers did really well with bring after losing to force. I mean, I think and plus he's gonna be around a lot of good players. And that right. that helps you out so much. He doesn't have to hold down the defensive line. He's got one thing to do, and this is what he's been doing his entire college career, is handle that middle. Get pressure up the middle. If I wa- I watched them in his college tapes, watch them at the combines. And I think the 49ers are going to see that he could be bigger or better than, than a DeForest Buckner. I think D. Ford and Bose are licking their chops having that guy inside. Yeah, and you know, you think about him in the middle. If he controls the middle. You look, let Eric Armstead do his deal. 
spread out that offense because you got to respect that, you know, D Ford's going to be healthy. You know what Bosa can do. Offensive lines are going to be spread out. And he's going to – him and him and Eric can be able to work that middle and get a lot of pressure up the middle. So, I'm excited. Again, he's a rookie. We'll see what happens, where his head's at, you know, if he can play at this level. But from paper, man, he looks good. He looks real good. Okay, so so we talked about these things, and we pretty much got a fixed idea of what could possibly happen. So you look at San Francisco, you look at the fact that this is a team that went a lot of a much, much farther than the, the prognosticators indicated in the beginning of the season, with the exception of uh, Mr. King. He was the only one that had them, you know, really very high as far as the win totals for the season. Now, we all know there is what's considered to be, you know, the uh, Super Bowl uh, loser curse, where if you get to the bowl and you lose, the idea of you returning is, 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 is kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of slim and none. We've seen this happen with L.A. Um, it's happened with other teams in the past. But let me ask you, if you can think of one specific thing, okay, that's going to put the back in the Super Bowl for next season, what do you think it is? Well, you know, first of all, it's hard to to to, to back-to-back Super Bowl, let, let alone, you know, try to get a win. Getting back to Super Bowl is tough. Yeah. Win or lose. Yeah, and I remember Ronnie saying once that, you know, when you talked to him about when the 49ers went back-to-back, and the one thing he said that was super important was you have to visualize it and you have to understand what it took to get there. And I think a lot of teams, that's what makes it tough. You kind of forget kind of how you got there, you know, the work or whatever happens or in the weight room or the, you know, what you do to yourself, keep your body healthy. Um, you have to kind of visualize what it took to get there to get back to something like a Super Bowl. So I think with this team, you know, you got, you got a great play call in Kyle Shanahan. you got explosive <laughs> offense. you got a great defense. But now you just kind of have to visualize it and say this is what got us there. I mean, I think I think with Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he does such a great job of motivating these guys. You know, even after, you know, the valleys that his team went through, Kyle Shanahan, and even with Kyle Shanahan, he still kind of believed in these guys. And these guys really believe that they can run through walls for Kyle Shanahan. So, and they've done such a good job of bringing guys in where they need it, guys. But I think right now, they just have to visualize it. I mean, they have to see what it took to get there. All that hard work, all the dedication. Not like they're not going to do it anyway, but visualize as a team, what took him to get there. And I just that's what Ronnie just said. Ronnie said, I've never been to back-to-back Super Bowls, but Ronnie said that was the key, visualizing, doing the same thing, doing the same thing, executing the way you did, and then and you'll just get there. So, I mean, it's tough to do, though. It's yeah. tough to do. All right, Dennis, as a former player, NBA reports tomorrow, they're going to be in a bubble. You know, <laughs> hockey's trying to get back and play. The uh, Major League Baseball, they opened up their camps a couple of days ago. Ace couldn't even practice with the infielders because they didn't get their test back from the COVID-19. Right. I have been, for one, I think the players are going to decide all of these leagues who's going to play or not. The owners are going to put them out there. They don't care. Yeah, they they want to make their money. Right. And I take it away from Jed York because he's very conscientious about it. But if I'm a player, and if you get COVID, it could shorten your career because of the damage it would do to you. Right. Would you, uh, you know, I just, I would not come back and play under these circumstances. What, what's your feeling? And I have, like, for instance, a University of Illinois science professor said, 
three to seven uh, college players will die from the virus next year if they play. All right, so it, it affects everybody differently. You get one, two, five guys. You've been in a locker room where you got the flu, and then all of a sudden 15 guys got it. Yeah. Would you – or, I mean, do you, the NFL's going straight ahead. So, would you come back as a player, and do you think – these leagues, even Buster Posey's saying, I don't know if I'm going to come back. He's practicing right now with a mask. But yeah. what's your feelings about that as a player and then maybe just as a fan and a guy outside who works in the industry? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a tough decision. You know, I know these guys are contracted, I, to, they contracted to play football, but it, 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 it determines – I mean, it's, it's depending on your situation. Now, if you live at home and you've got a wife who's – you know, who's expecting a child or you've got small children or you live with your parents, your parents, your mother-in-law lives with you. I mean, the chances are high. I mean, that's a tough call. I mean, I love playing football. I didn't really care. I just went out there and played. Right. Then, then I remember how much fluid is exchanged on a football field. Thank you. you. Know? I mean, so unless and you're not going to keep any football players in a hotel downtown and you will never leave the hotel. So, I mean, that's a tough call. I mean, I, I, I really I really can't say what I would do. I mean, it'd be tough. I mean, you really have to sit back and say, you know, and if you're a single man just kind of hanging out, maybe. But if you have a family, that's a tough call, man. I mean, and, if you uh, love football. And what I miss the most about football is the paychecks. That's what I miss the most <laughs> about football. And it'd be tough. It'd be really tough. But it's going to be interesting to see if these guys can opt out. I mean, is it going to be an opportunity for guys to say, hey, I just don't want to do it right now? Well, every sport has an opportunity to opt out. We don't know football yet. But right. then football, like you said, the paychecks and the camaraderie. How can you yeah. get 55 guys in a locker room six feet apart? I mean, you're going to have to use, yeah. you know, practice facility locker room, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, for one thing, 2020 should be a wash. You know, take your losses for the owners and we'll see you in 2021. It's just too many risks for so many different people because it affects everybody a little differently. So yeah. I don't know. Richard, yeah. It's a tough call, man. It's a tough, and, and well, this, and this virus is so aggressive. I mean, it yeah. isn't, I mean, it, it's not like it just, you know, we, we thought it was, you know, with all, all the things that were going on, people kind of forgot about it. And Mr. COVID was going at it, you know, know. After, and he was like, I'm still strong. I'm, I'm doing pushups, you know? So it, it's so, and we saw what happened in Nashville with these, what, six guys, we're just kind of working yeah, out, right. and boom, bam, just like that. One got it. Now that everyone has to quarantine. So and these are forty-nine players. Yeah, I, I don't know how you how you play any sport for that and try to keep this thing under wraps. I mean, bubble or not, I mean, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be super tough. No, I think to your point and to Mike's point, because Mike and I have talked about this on the show for the last few weeks, and we agree, we both agree that there should be no sports this year. Period. Because at the end of the day. We got to, you know, my whole deal is this. As much as I love watching sports, you know, I played sports for a little while. Um, I love talking about sports. Look, I don't want these guys to go out there and risk their lives just to entertain me. I really don't. I really yeah. don't. I feel like, you know what? Look, your life is more important than you entertaining me for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. You know, you consider the fact that, what is it? I guess after they did the bubble thing with the NBA, you know, recently they, they came out with another bubble in the NBA where now all of a sudden they're going to do this thing in Chicago where they're going to have, I guess, the teams that are not going to the playoffs or don't have anything at stake to be in a bubble and play some games down there. And I thought, okay, you know what? This, to me, is Russian roulette. It really is. Because yeah. these teams have nothing to play for. 
Why would you even set up something like this? Yeah. What you, okay, you obviously where profits are more important than you need anything else. Even these people's lives. Why yeah. would the Warriors go to Chicago and play in that bubble? For what? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's selfish reasons. You know, that's, I make my living in social gatherings. You know, I make my living talking about football on the radio. And, you know, the back of my mind, I'm going, oh, I hope it happens because I got that mortgage to pay. And, and once right. you kind of take yourself out of it and you say, you know what, it's not happening to me. It's not me. It's everybody. It's, right. This is happening to everybody. But like you said, the owners, you know, there's a reason why they're billionaires, you know. And, and, they don't, and once you hit their pockets, they start saying, hey, whoa, whoa. And then, like you said, you have a, a contract like a, like a Mahomes. And they're like, you know what, we got to make some money, you know. So I think once people kind of get themselves out of it and, you know, you understand it's not just you. It's not, it's not happening to you. It's happening to everybody. And, and this is an aggressive disease. I mean, this is this thing. I mean, it ain't no joke. I mean, I, I don't understand it, the science of it, but it ain't no joke, man. I mean, once it goes, it goes. Yeah. Okay. So we're coming up on towards the end of this thing. We only had thirty minutes today with with the great Dennis Trammell Brown, the Brown Trammer. Right. right. And 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 I can say that because I know him well. But I will say this much, Dennis. It's been a pleasure having you on. Yes. Um, this is Game Face, and I think the special part about today's show. We had two San Francisco 49 Super Bowl champions on the same show, okay? So the first and the last wins. That's there right. So the rest of you podcasts That's a nice little gap. That's a nice little gap, huh? Yeah. So, so, so the rest of you podcasts out there think you're doing something big, get on the game face, son, okay? And you might learn something, okay? Love it. Love it. All right? So, yeah, this is game face. I'm Richard DeRacy. You are with my, my, my main man, my wingman, Mike the Shoe Shoeman, and I got – like I said, the Brown Bomber, Dennis Brown, on with us today. Loved having you on, Dennis. Great show. Check back with us next Monday. And once again, have your game face on. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.